welcome to the Let's Get Uncomfy podcast. I'm your host, Annie, Air Force officer turned serial entrepreneur, author, CEO, fitness expert, and personal growth junkie. Honestly, though, guys, I'm just like you. I choose every single day to get uncomfy in pursuit of what others consider unlikely. And that's exactly how I built a life I am freaking obsessed with. And I want you to know that you're capable of the same. Here in this fam, yes, you're officially a part of the fam. We choose every day to quit our excuses, ditch the negativity, and embrace our best lives. Literally nothing is off the table when it comes to the conversations we're going to have together. We'll chat fitness, mental health, relationships, personal growth, business, and I'm certain we're going to laugh together. But please don't hold it against me if we cry together too. I know you'll leave this episode with the confidence and excitement to grow from your mistakes, pursue your passions, and ultimately own your life. Now let's get on with it. It's time to get uncomfy. All right, we are here. We are here with Gabrielle Stone. I am just beyond excited to be chatting with you today, girl. Thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. You seem like my type of girl. I know we were just saying that before we hit record, just like you're my people. I found you on TikTok, came over to Instagram. I was just like binge consuming your content. Like, <laughs> yes, girl. Like I was just everything. I'm like, we are the same, same, but different. And so I just, I love your vibe. So guys, everybody who isn't aware of who Gabrielle Stone is, and do you go by Gabrielle? Do you go by Gabby? What do you? What? I go by Gabrielle. My friends from like elementary school and some in high school call me Gabby. I hate being called called Gabby. And I think it's because I hate being called Gabby. People will automatically just assume they can shorten my name, like at restaurants and stuff when you're waiting, like you'll put your name in as Gabrielle and then they'll call Gabby, but I go by Gabrielle. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Well, Gabrielle. Okay. So cool for everybody who doesn't know, let's take a moment to, uh, and I want to say this (laughs) the right way. I'm going to say like, tell us your life story, but you have a book all about it, which is actually why we're honestly here chatting about it. But if you want to kind of give like, and I'm sure you're so good at this kind of a little bit, like who you are, what you've been through and yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Los Angeles, was born and raised here. My mom is an actress. Her name is Dee Wallace. You've seen her in ET and Cujo and the howling. My dad was also an actor on film and television shows. And I had a really normal childhood despite growing up on set with them. And my dad unfortunately passed when I was six years old, really tragically. And that kind of started my abandonment issues at a really young age. And those kind of manifested and developed throughout my life. I would never really want to be alone. I would always, you know, either have a roommate over or, you know, have friends over. And it really, when I got older manifested in the sense of, I was always with a guy. I always had a boyfriend. I always had, you know, a significant other with me. Mm -hmm. And when I got older, I got married. And this is kind of where the book really starts. I got married. Everyone thought this was like my Prince Charming that I had finally found. We were engaged after eight months. So it was pretty quick. We were married for two years. So we were together engaged for two years. I had a long engagement and we were married for almost two years. And I found out he was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months. Mm. Yeah. So filed for divorce, left, was in hindsight, the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I think I married him and I didn't realize this until much later in my healing journey because he was safe, because I had grown up with this fear of abandonment. I had loved my dad and he died. I loved my high school sweetheart. He passed away in a car accident. So I had had this belief instilled in me that when I love someone, they die. So I think I married my ex-husband because I mean, I loved him, sure, but I wasn't in love with him. And I think it was safe. So filed for divorce, left. Shortly after that, met this guy, fell madly in love with each other, like whirlwind romance. I mean, you know, like, fairy tale movie. You're the one, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with you, like the whole shebang. And he convinced me to go on a month long trip to Italy with him. 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself. And I was fucking devastated. Like this man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I remember sitting in my room at my mother's house because I was newly divorced. So obviously I was back at my mom's house. 
hysterically crying on my bed. And I was just like, well, Gabrielle, you can either stay at home heartbroken or you can go travel Europe for a month by yourself. What the fuck are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm damn sure not going to stay at home heartbroken and watch him travel around Europe. (laughs) So I packed my bag and well, no, that's a lie. My bag was already packed because it was 48 hours before the trip. Took my bag, flew to Europe and did six countries over the span of a month and wrote a book about it called Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. (laughs) I love the title, by the way. Thank you. Oh my God. Just so many things that are so relatable in there. And I feel like so many people that are listening can probably relate to. We have a mostly women that are listening to this. So, oh, just so many things. The first thing I just wanted to say is like the difference in heartbreak. What was that like? You know, so you made the decision to leave you, right? And first off, like kudos to you. I have conversation with women all the time who know things, things are happening or you catch a spouse or whatever it is. And, you know, and it's so hard to leave. So, you know, can you touch on that even a little bit of just like what that felt like just deciding to leave? Yeah, totally. I, even before I found out about the physical cheating, there had been some, we had been really unhappy for a long time and we were in therapy and I was working my ass off and I didn't understand why we had been unhappy for so long and why none of the things that I was doing and all the effort I was putting in was working. Obviously looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, well, it's because you were in a full on other relationship. But I, even before I found out, like found all the proof of the physical cheating, I remember the day before I found all that, I said to one of my friends, I don't think he's done anything physically. I don't think he has the balls to. Mm. I just vastly misjudged the size of his balls, but- I was pretty sure before that even came to light that I was going to leave. Once I had found some like shady stuff that broke the trust that was there. You know what I mean? It wasn't about the physical act for me. It was about that trust being broken. And to be quite honest, I feel like he gave me an out. I feel like I would have been trapped in a really unhealthy and unhappy marriage for a very long time because I would have felt pressured to make it work after we had this big wedding and had made this commitment to each other. I would have felt pressured into staying and like doing my damnedest to make that work. And I would have been really unhappy the whole time. So once I found out how deep the cheating went and the extent of it, it was like, there was no turning back. I, there wasn't even a flicker in my brain that was like, oh, maybe I should try. And it was just like, no, no, I'm gone. And this is a big fucking blessing in disguise. Mm, So true. So true. I love how you said he might've even given you an out because you you maybe would have known, but maybe you wouldn't have even had the guts to completely leave if he hadn't have done that. So then, you know, okay. So there's that heartbreak, which is heartbreak. That is hard. That is hardship. That is that, you know, a lot of times, honestly, that might be like the hardest thing somebody in their life goes through. That's what was so interesting because my friends and family were like, oh my God, you must be so devastated. And I can't even imagine. And to be brutally honest, I was very much not in love with him at this point. I had been really miserable in my marriage for six months. And so you're almost disconnected a little bit. Exactly. And so when I found all this out, it was more of dealing with emotions like betrayal and rage because this person was supposed to like take care of me and respect my body and respect me as a human. There wasn't heartbreak in it. And I'm really thankful for that because if I would have added that onto everything I was already feeling and going through, that's like a whole nother level of something to deal with, you know? For sure. For sure. So you have the betrayal, you have a little bit even of the abandonment. I mean, cause he abandoned oh, you sure. yeah, in the relationship and, and left you. So you're dealing with that. And then two weeks later you meet Mr. Javier. Yeah. <laughs> Javier. And it's, you know, fireworks and chocolate hearts and all the things, whatever. And then you deal with that heartbreak of being again, abandoned. What did that feel like? That was the one, honestly, that really fucked me up. If you ask anyone in my life, they'll be like, well, Gabrielle was pretty okay after her divorce. And to be honest, I would have never 
ventured into another entanglement, if you will, if I was emotionally not okay. You know, I've gone through enough trauma in my life. I've gone through enough grief in my life to where I'm not gonna walk forward into something if I know I have a lot of work to do on myself. So I was weirdly okay after the divorce because I knew there was a bigger thing happening in my life and that it was going to be a huge blessing. So when Javier entered the picture, it kind of was like, oh, this is why all of this happened. And the universe is putting the two of us together. And like, why are we going to fight it? And it was instant from both of our sides. I mean, he went back to his friends and family and he's like, this is the girl I'm going to marry. I'm done. This is it. She's the one. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the one. So that heartbreak for me was really the first time I had had my heart broken Mm. at the ripe age of 28 at the time. And it seriously broke me. I think only people that have gone through a really intense heartbreak can relate because sometimes people that haven't gone through something like that, they'll look in on a situation and be like, okay, but get over it. And it's really like you're almost grieving a death. And in some ways, and I've experienced both. So in some ways it's harder because you're grieving a person that's still alive and they're just not choosing to be with you. So it was really difficult for me on top of, you know, that I had just gone through a blindsiding divorce. You know, it was kind of like, what else universe? Like, give me a fucking break, dude. (laughs) Literally. So what I was going to actually ask you is with all of those uncomfortable, hard emotions, all the things you're dealing with at this point of your life, you know, like, how do you feel like that actually, I mean, this is, and especially this is in hindsight, and this is also now knowing where you're at now. I think it's hard to be in those emotions and be like, I'm going to grow from this. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. It's going to be the best ever, you know, but like, how did all those hard things, if you hadn't have gone through those hard things, do you think you'd be the woman you are today? 100% no. I am a big believer in everything happens for a reason. And like you just said, a lot of times you can't see it when you're in the shit. But this time, I remember so vividly when I decided I was going to go by myself, I had this big conversation with Javier and told him I was still going to go. And when he dropped me off at my house from that conversation, and he was like, how are you feeling Gabs? And I said, like, I'm about to go on a journey of eat, pray, fuck my life. And I was like, oh my God, that's the title. And I'm going to write a book. Like I knew in that moment, I, the next day I bought a journal. I started the book the first day on my Europe trip. I wrote three fourths of it by hand in my journal and finished it when I came home. So the whole book was written in three months. It literally like flowed out of me. Like it needed to come out. Okay, question on that. So, so many people probably feel like they have, you know, and I'm talking to people right now that might be listening. They're like, I want to write a book. Me personally, I will write a book. I've co-authored books. I want to write a book. But how do you get from this is what I'm writing to actually, I wrote three quarters of the book. You know, like, I think we all have so much like inside of us and then it's just stays inside of us. Like, how did you, how did you do that? Totally. And people ask me all the time and comment on my TikTok videos, like, how do you start? I have such a great story. And it's such a boring answer, but it's like the right answer. You have to just sit down and write. I didn't journal and then turn it into a book. If you open that journal, it says chapter one, like the same title of chapter one. Like it's very close to what the finished book ended up being. If you're writing about what you know and what you're passionate about, you just have to sit down and start. You'll work with an editor later. You'll edit later. You'll, you know, trim and refine later, but you just have to sit and vomit it all out because it like, it was such a release and like a therapy for me. It was the best therapy I could have given myself. And quite frankly, without writing that book, I don't think I would have gotten through 2017. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm sure. And that's so therapeutic. I mean, to literally just like, write it out, vet it out, get your emotions on paper. I'm such a firm believer of just like getting things on paper, whether it's emotions, goals, thoughts, whatever it is. Right. All right. We have, you know, you're writing this book, you're traveling Europe, right? You're by yourself. You have just now gone through the loss of two men in your life. Right. 
and many before that too, you know, okay. So this was really, if I'm kind of like analyzing this, this was the first time you were alone, alone, alone. What was that like? And how I know so many people, whether they're dealing with breakup, whether they're just like, honestly, just a serial, I'm going to do, 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 doer, right? People are scared of being alone. Yeah. And that was my biggest fear. Like my biggest fear was being alone. Since my dad died, it was like, I don't want to be alone. And I knew when I found out that I was going to take this trip on my own, it was the universe's clear way of being like, Hey, Gabrielle, time to go face that shit head on. And in the biggest way, you know, like I had never traveled alone apart from flying to a film set where I would then meet everyone I was working with and have a little like family on set. This was way different. You know, when I was flying to Europe, the only thing I knew about hostels was that there was a movie about them and people got brutally murdered in it. Like I was like, (laughs) what do you mean I'm supposed to stay in hostels? They're amazing. They're like adult summer camps. And the fact that I had to go by myself and I didn't have time to invite a girlfriend or invite, you know, my mom or like anyone to be my safety net was the biggest blessing. Mm. Forced me out of my comfort zone. And it was so uncomfortable and it really made me walk through so much of my own shit. And I wouldn't have done it if I had someone to be there, like holding my hand the whole time. Mm. Okay. So I just was thinking of this. This is a very random question. Were y'all on the same plane? Oh girl, sitting next to each other. So, okay. Ah! This is all in the book. So people will read about it, but we- I'm only like, I'm on chapter one. I told you I was binge listening. <laughs> I'm like on 2.0 speed. I'm like, <laughs> so we flew next to each other because we were so connected. And for whatever reason, we had like really developed this bond over this month and a half that we were together. And when we decided, well, when he decided that he was going by himself, and then I in turn decided that I was going to go solo, nothing really changed except for we weren't kissing and holding hands. So like that connection was still there and that, you know, comfort and love. So he picked me up from my house. We went to the airport. We like had wine and cheese for an hour. He took the photo of me that I posted on my Instagram to like announce my divorce finally. Cause I was like, well, if I'm going to go on this trip, I need to like air all my shit out now so I can just like move the fuck on. And we flew whatever it is, I think 10 hours together on the plane. And then I, our tickets were from LA to London and then London to Rome. So I stayed in London and he went on to Rome where we were supposed to start our trip. Mm. So was that like a hard break? Again, I might be getting the stuff in the book. Was that like, yo, we're breaking up. You said like the emotions and stuff. Yeah, we were broken up. Like, and I had to actually clarify that in the conversation that we had, you know, before we left. And I was like, so just we are breaking up. This isn't like you just need time to like go on a trip. Cause he kept saying to me, he's like, I'm not saying goodbye to you. I want you in my life. I care about you so much. You've changed my life. And I was like, okay, cool. So are we together or are you like, you're, we're breaking up. So I did have to clarify that, but no, this was like a, it was like, we're breaking up and we're flying home together. So maybe depending on how we feel, we'll meet up at the end of the trip. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So kind of back to the vibe of where we were going before. So being alone in Europe, dealing with all this stuff, what were some of like, I don't know if you even have like a timeline or like things you started to learn along the way. Do you remember like the first thing that that you were like, you know, okay, wow. Like being alone, isn't that bad? Like, I like this about it or yo, I learned this about myself. Like, what did that look like? I I just think that so many people can relate to this, like whole sense of being scared of being alone. And maybe you saying what you learned in being alone, maybe that can inspire somebody else to be like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. Yes. Well, first of all, for anyone that's listening, this is your sign. Take a fucking solo trip. It's life changing. <laughs> yes. On it. Okay. Hey, if COVID wasn't a thing, I would have booked, I would have booked my ticket. Like as we're on this pod, like on this podcast. Like, <laughs> I know when it's safe, everybody go and do a solo trip. Yeah, girl. I learned so fucking much on this trip. I came back a different human in all of the best ways. So I started in London and my first day. So my best friend from high school lives in London. So when all of my shit fell apart, I was like, at least I have somewhere that I can start as a home base because I had nothing booked and I didn't book anything 
until I was in the country I was in. So when I was in London on day three, I was like, well, where do I want to go next? Okay, let's go to Amsterdam. So it was very last minute, which is so unlike me and my personality. I plan everything. But I remember my first day in London, my friend had to work. So I went and adventured around the city by myself. And it was so liberating. I remember walking through the streets being like, I'm a fucking badass. I just got divorced, got dumped, got on this motherfucking plane, flew across the world. And now I'm walking around by myself, like enjoying and loving life. Like it was so liberating and I felt so empowered by it. But the first thing that I really learned, which becomes a theme in the book, I had walked around the whole day in London and felt so amazing. And then I went to a cafe and turned on my Wi-Fi and all of these pictures came in from Javier of like his mm. day in Rome. And it was like a, a knife in my heart. Cause I was like, oh cool. Those are the steps that like I've been imagining kissing you on for like the last two months of our relationship. And I remember getting so angry and I shut off my phone and I started walking back towards the bus station. And in my head, I'm having this conversation with my music in and I'm like, I'm so fucking mad and blah, 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 blah. And then this little voice in my head is like, okay, Gabrielle, well, do you want to stay mad about it? Or do you want to figure out what it's about? Ooh. Okay. I guess. Say that again. Yeah. I was like, I guess figure out what it's about. So that's in the streets of London is where I came up with one of my techniques that, you know, used throughout the rest of the book and still use till this day called the thought onion. And it's basically a technique where you can look at your thoughts and, get to the root of what's causing them because when you can get to the bottom layer that's like the shit that you need to heal and the shit that you need to fix in order to have different reactions in the future Mm. Uh, so it was basically you go level by level and you peel it back like an onion the first layer is the superficial thought which is like obviously superficial when you have that initial reaction that you can't really control the second layer is the authentic thought which is the emotion that's causing that reaction in the first place. And then the third layer, which is where the real like gold is, is the subconscious thought. And that's the layer that you're like, okay, this is what I need to heal. It's usually like a belief from childhood or something that's like really deep in there in the trauma zone. Oh, so that's like ultimate self-reflection. At the- yeah. 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 Like you have to like be willing to be like, okay, we're going to get real with myself and like really dig in there. But so many things along that trip, you know, for a while it was like really uncomfortable to eat by myself at restaurants. And then by my third country, I was like, I'm alone. I'm awesome. (laughs) Like, yes, totally shifted for me. And it, it really was so empowering. And it was, it gave me a lot of time to not only write, which for me was healing because I was like working out everything that was going on in my life while I was writing but I was alone. So if I wanted to like stay in my, in wherever I was staying and cry for five hours and write and like, you know, drink, I could do that. And if I wanted to go out and explore, I could do that. Like I didn't really have anyone that I had to answer to for the first time. And it was really freeing. So freeing. I think like we always forget, like we forget who we are when we constantly surround ourselves and not even just surround ourselves with people, but social media, with content, with consuming, with, with even reading. I'm, I typically been somebody who I'm constantly listening to an audible, to a podcast. I'm doing some sort of consuming and I do morning walk every single day and it's at least a mile. And recently I've been loving doing this without anything, no music, no book, nothing. And just listening to my thoughts and feeling and understanding where they're coming from and why I'm thinking those things kind of like that thought and, and, you know, something will pop up and I'll, I kind of ask myself why I do kind of, it's the same thing essentially, but I just ask myself why, like, Oh, I'm, Oh my God, what she said bothers me. And I'm like, why? Okay. Well, that's because I perceive it this way. Why? Because actually I'm really self-conscious about this. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's a really, that's such a good point because we're so caught. It's really rare that we're just quiet. And that's why I, I try and meditate as often as I can, because it's hard for me to shut my brain off. And, you know, especially with the work that I do now, it's like everything social media and everything is like interacting and like talking to my readers and like making content. And it can be a little much sometimes. Like there's definitely 
a part of my soul that wants to like not be on any social media platforms, live in Thailand and like never speak to anyone again. Right. <laughs> real thing. <laughs> I mean, it's the balance. <laughs> yeah. So, so true. And I think actually a lot of people on here, you know, are entrepreneurs, business owners, and honestly, same sort of field as eh, content creators, that sort of stuff that people that listen to this. So how do you create those boundaries then kind of off t- subject of what we're talking about, but like, how do you create those boundaries of like meditating and, you know, getting alone time and, kind of blocking out social media, but then also being go, go, go talking to your followers, talking to your readers, talking to your whatever, whatever, you know, how do you do both? I don't know if I have a great answer for that. It's a struggle. And there's times where I'm like, oh my God, I just have to put my goddamn phone down and leave it in another room because it becomes like a part of you almost, which is so sickening to even say, but you'll be sitting there, you know, watching TV or having a conversation and you like, pick your phone up without even realizing that you're doing it. So I I'll do every once in a while, I'll force myself to like kind of go on a social media cleanse and like get off everything for a week. And it, you know, it's shitty in the long run because it fucks with your engagement and blah, blah, blah. But it's for mental health reasons. Like it, it's important to do that. Another way that I try and kind of like integrate the two is most of my content that I post. That's not like promo stuff is really like, you know, an extension of my book in the sense of like, I'll write my feelings. And I think that's why a lot of people have connected to my content because I'll, I'll really show up authentically. And if I'm like stoked on life, then that comes through. If I'm like pissed off and like not feeling the greatest that comes through. So I really try and like remind people that social media is a facade. It's not real life. You know, a perfect example is like how, pretty I probably look in the last picture you saw of me and how you're looking at me right now <laughs> you are gorgeous <laughs> um, but it's yeah it's a balance to try and like when it's your job and your livelihood you know it's like how many hours do you put in at work for sure we are same same it's confirmed because <laughs> I <laughs> I it's what you just said just so resonated with me of just like being an extension you know as best as you can an extension of yourself on social media you know so showing up you know, for me, what I try to do. And I love how you said, honestly, I don't think I have a great answer because <laughs> what is balance anyway? I don't know. There are seasons of priorities is, is kind of what I like to say, but it's so true. Just showing up in just like your realist, most authentic, you know, way. And people are going to connect with that a little bit off topic from what we were talking about, but I just thought that was a little bit relevant. Oh, it's valid. And honestly, when I when on my Eat, Pray, FML trip, I was planning on not being on social media. I was going to post that picture of me at the airport, be like, look, this is what's happening in my life. This is where I'm going. Bye. And I posted that picture within the hour before boarding the plane. I had hundreds of messages, hundreds. And they were all like, oh my God, this totally changed my day. This is so inspirational. This gave me so much hope and like so much courage. Please keep sharing your journey. And I was like, well, shit. Okay. (laughs) So I made it a point whenever I was posting something to show up exactly as I was. And sometimes that was crying in like the Airbnb that I was staying at or, you know, going out and partying with the people I met at the hostel. So it was a roller coaster of emotions on the posts as it was that I was experiencing. And I'm so thankful that I did that because now whenever people are reading the book every day, I'll have all my Europe pictures are getting liked. And I'm like, oh my God, they're reading. They're in Barcelona. They're in Mykonos. Like, and it's kind of like this visual aid that people can go back and see what I was experiencing. So I'm, I'm glad that all the messages came in and encouraged me to do that. Because in that sense, social media can be really beautiful. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. I'm so glad that you did. And you continue to like share your journey too, because that is really cool to be able to look back on that. Yeah. Okay. So question I kind of have for you is, you know, so you, you were 28 and divorced and, you know, I, I feel like that title, you know, oh, I'm a divorced, you know, woman. Yeah. 
comes with potentially shame or embarrassment or a reason to like justify or defend yourself of like, well, well, you don't get it this or a weight, but you know, this or, you know, whatever, whatever. And I know for a fact that a lot of people listening, you know, they are young. I mean, listeners all the way from like 18 to younger than myself, you know, all the way up to 55. I got a letter from a six-year-old the other day, you know, so Yeah. So like people of all ages, but especially to those young women who might have just, you know, gone through a long-term relationship breakup where they think this is the end of forever. Right. Or, or the young, you know, 22 year old who's divorced right now, you know, what is something that you wish somebody would have told you at that point that you didn't know at that point? Be proud because as long as you're doing what's best for you, that's, so right in line. That's what you should be doing. And I, I'm not going to front. I totally felt those feelings when, when I was going through the first couple days of my, well, not through the divorce. It was really when I found out about the cheating, I was embarrassed about it. And I like, didn't know how to tell people. And it, you know, I, I happened to be married at the time to a narcissist. So of course he made me feel like it was my fault. And it really, that was what I struggled with was the embarrassment about like, oh, my husband cheated on me and now I'm getting divorced at the ripe age of 28. Once I handed him the papers and drove away from the house, I felt a shift. One, because I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and I knew that this was going to be a huge blessing for me. And two, because I was proud of myself because so many people stay in relationships because, you know, it's going to be too hard to split everything up or like, you know, I don't want to start dating again or yeah, you know, well, he's good enough. And it's like, no, I fucking deserve the best and I deserve to be happy. And if something is not serving me in that life goal, then like, bye, you know? And yeah, it sucks that my mom worked her ass off and threw us this gorgeous wedding. And yeah, it sucks that like we found this out two years in instead of like before we, you know, walked down the aisle, but like shit, better two years of my life gone as opposed to 10, Hmm. you know? So for people that are listening, if you're unhappy in a relationship and you've done the work and you've gone to therapy and you've put in the actual work and you're still unhappy, leave guys. I mean, it's not worth it. You will be happier on the other end. You know, even if you have to go through some shit for a while, when you're on the other side, you're going to be so much happier and your partner's going to be so much happier. You know, like if you're go, if you're yeah. doing the work and it's not working, like it's life's too long and too short. Like it's, there's too much life to not be fulfilled and not be happy. Oh, okay. I love that. I love that so much. So, so, so much. There's so many reasons I find that people kind of like make the whole, I don't think this is right. They make that like so small and they make all these other things so big, right? Like, you know, the, it'll be embarrassing or I can't, what do I do with our friends? Or what do we do with the furniture? Like all these like essentially irrelevant things. They make these so, them so big. And this whole thing over here of like, I'm not happy yeah. for some reason small, but what I'm kind of getting from you, the vibe I'm getting for you is a little bit more of like, you know, enjoy, you know, once you're there, you, you left, you're doing what's right for you, you know, enjoying the journey rather than being focused on that, like specific end result or how it's going to look at the end or, you know, the picture perfect, you know, marriage or what it looks like on the outside, but instead like, you know, enjoy the journey and be happy and focus on, you know, yourself. Is that true? Is that how you percent. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to know how you're going to get to happy. You just need to know that that's the end goal and the universe is going to want to deliver that to you. So if, you know, Joe Schmo over here isn't helping you get to that space, then it's time to redirect yourself and be like, look, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what's going to happen on the way there, but I'm going to throw my chips to the wind and trust in the universe because this isn't making me happy or as happy as I could be. It's not to say like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. It's like, no, if you've done the work and you've decided that this is not good enough and it's not what's 
making you fulfilled, then it's time to leave. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you guys didn't have kids and it's so much easier. Look, I get that. It would have been a lot harder if there were other little people to think about. My boyfriend now is a father and they got divorced when she was young. And I've had numerous conversations with him about it. And it's ultimately like kids are going to pick up on your unhappiness Mm. and whether or not you like fight behind closed doors or, you know, no matter what the situation is, kids are going to see that. And so it's not saving them to keep them in the household with two miserable parents. You know, they'll grow up with different issues than they would if they grew up with divorced parents. Like we fuck ourselves up, you know, like there's as much as you guys want to protect us, like we'll do it ourselves. So I think really ultimately it's about making sure that you're the happiest person you can be because if your cup isn't full, it's really hard to start filling other people's cups. Yes. And like, honestly, at the end of the day, like this life is so short to not be happy. I know that I have at certain times in my life told myself like, it's okay that I'm not super happy. You know, if I have this thriving career, if I have this really great thing over here, if I'm really great with friends and my friends are happy and my parents are happy and my, all these things are fine. Like, it's okay. I'll put myself last, you know, but like, fuck that. (laughs) Big Big fuck that. And you have to believe that you can have it all and you deserve to have it all because you do. Yeah. It's like scarcity thinking is, that, oh, I can't have this and that, you know, yes, you can, you can be happy. You can have a great fucking marriage. You can have a great sex life. You can have great relationships, a great career. You know, you can have all the things and you don't need to sacrifice your happiness for any of it. So I love that. Okay. So another kind of juicy question for you. You're very open, obviously about your relationships, your exes, your past. How has that affected? And maybe I don't want to answer for you. So I'm going to ask you, how has that affected your life, your personal life, maybe even your relationship with your exes? I don't know if that matters, but you know, what does that look like? Almost Uh, like a fearless or like a not caring what other people are going to think, but you're going to do something because you feel like you need to do something like. Yeah, totally. Look, I've always, when I wrote this book, everyone, not everyone, there were people that were like, are you sure you don't want to change your name? Are you sure you don't want to like maybe take out this incident or, you know, tone it back here? And I was like, no, if I'm going to write about this, I'm going to show up in a fully non-apologetic, authentic and real way. And I think that's why so many people connect with the book because you feel like you're talking to your best friend because I'm not editing shit in that way. As far as how it's affected my life and my relationships, it's so funny that you asked that because I just brought my boyfriend on my podcast episode of FML Talk and so many of my readers were like, what's it like, you know, that she has to talk about all of her exes all the time because it's a thing, you know, and everyone is really interested in hearing that. But it's it's tough, you know, like it's it's tough also because when he came into my life, I was still healing from Javier and still trying to like get closure from that situation and it was a very weird woven web of shit and you know it's for me they've my exes have become kind of like characters in my story especially my ex-husband and for him they're real people you know especially Javier who he's you know had this like kind of me going you know in and out with and it's definitely not easy, but we have a very open line of communication. We talk about everything and have had some- You and your, you and your ex-husband? No, no, no. Oh my God, no. Me and oh. my boyfriend. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, no. I was I have, like, oh. Yeah, no, no, no. There, there's not, not a speaking situation going on there. No, but so my boyfriend and I, we have a very open line of communication and I think when you can come into a relationship and say, these are my wounds- these are my triggers, these are my soft spots, and the other person is going to say, yeah, okay, I see that, I'm going to take care of them for you, like, don't worry about it. It sets up this level of companionship and friendship that is invaluable when you're dealing with stuff that's sensitive like this, because, you know, like, it, yeah, it sucks, like, 
we live together and, you know, once a day I'm doing an interview of some capacity and talking about my exes, <laughs> but he's a trooper and we've definitely over time, it becomes easier um, because he sees the success of it and how many people it's helping. And he's never made me feel bad about any of that. It's just stemmed into conversations that I think ultimately have brought us closer together. So true. Yeah. And honestly, and it's just you really just showing up and being like, this is all of me. Like yeah. it is, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. What do you have to say to people who maybe they don't want to write a book but maybe they want to be vulnerable about something. They want to be open about something. Maybe they want to start something that people in their life are like, ah, are you sure you want to do this? Or are you sure that's the way you want to go? Are you sure you want to put light on this? You know, like kind of like how people were with you. What would you say to those people? So I would say, don't let them dictate what you know in your soul is going to help other people. Even when I was shopping this book to publishers, everyone was like, well, maybe if we like tone it down a little or we want to change this. And I was like, no guys, this is my real life. This is what I went through. And this is what people are going to connect with, which is why I ended up self-publishing it. Because when you know something is inside of you and you know, that's what's needing to come out and going to help people heal or be a good thing in your life. Like you just have to jump. And because honestly, like what's the worst fucking thing that could happen? You fail. Okay. Spend a night, eat some ice cream, drink some wine, cry about it a little bit and get the fuck over it and try something new. Like, you know, it's like the worst thing that could happen is that it fails, you know? And you learn something in that probably most likely hundred percent. You're going to learn something. 100%. And like, if you never try, you'll never know. And then you'll always think about it. That haunts me. Uh, honestly, the biggest motivator for me is like, what if I don't, you know? Right. Totally. I, I love that so much. So kind of just really the last thing I always, always, unless do you have any loose strings you feel like you want to chat on? Oh God. I don't know. This has been so like when you first reached out to me and you were like, it's the uncomfortable. I was like, oh my God, that's my life. So I feel like we've touched on so much of that. So yeah, well, what's your last question? Cause I don't want to like snake in and take anything. <laughs> no, you're so, so, so fine. Okay. So let's be real here. You took something that at the end of the day, honestly could have broke a person. I mean, for years, for a really long time, you know, and you took something that could have broke somebody and you turned it into the most epic healing journey and a career. Honestly, at the end of the day, you turned it into something so positive and so powerful and so inspiring for others. You know, how did you do that? You know, was it mindset? Was it just instinct? Was it, you know, a thought process? Was it a plan? Literally like how, you know? God, that's such a good question. And I think there were so many different elements at play. I went to a psychic right after I found out about some of the questionable things my ex-husband was doing. And in that session, she was like, I need you writing. You have to be writing. And I was like, I don't, at the time I was just acting and I'm like, I don't fucking have anything to write. Like what? Like a screenplay? Like, I don't have any ideas, like whatever. I, I didn't know what that meant. Obviously that changed very quickly in a couple months. And so I genuinely feel that I was, one of my life's purposes was to write this book to help people heal and love themselves and be able to get through shit like this. Not to say for everybody that's listening that this is like a heavy self-help book. It's not, it's like one of the most ridiculous, fun, cuss-filled books you'll ever read. There's just a lot of healing in it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna say guys, if you vibe with my energy and like how I show up, like you're gonna 100% vibe with Gabrielle, so. And so I think there was some universal elements of like putting me on the right path to have all this happen in the way that it did. But I honestly, once I decided that I was going to write the book, there was nothing that was going to stop me from that. And then, yeah, I think that comes in with mindset and trusting yourself and trusting your power. I had to do a lot of work around owning my power and not feeling like it was like too much for people or that it was like overstepping. It was like, no, like you have some really valuable shit to say and you're going to say it in the way that you want to say it. And it's going to be accepted no matter what channel you decide to put it out. So it didn't matter if I was going with a publisher or not. I was like, I 
know that this is going to make its way out there in the time that it's supposed to. So I think when you, it's not to say don't sit in the shit because that's a really important part of the process and not to say like, don't heal obviously. And don't, you know, be sad. I think I was taught from a very young age by my mother when my father died that when things like that happen in your life and when tragedies and deaths and divorces and heartbreaks happen in your life, you can either choose to be a victim or to make something of it and make something of yourself. And that's not to say that you don't take time to grieve and to feel and to be, but once you've done all that, whether that's a day, a week, a month, it's like, okay, now when I'm at that fork in the road, I'm not going to choose to be a victim and let this define me. I'm going to choose to be a badass and like, it's going to be a springboard for me. Mm, I love that. I feel like somebody out there needed to hear that. I hope so. This is your sign. Whatever you're looking for, this is your sign. (laughs) For real. Oh my God. Decision and then mindset and then just freaking going for it, you know? Yeah. Um, It's going to help people, you know? It's going to get to the people that need to hear it, whether that's 15, 15,000, 15 million, you know, it's going to get to people that are going to be touched by what you have to offer and, and heal from it ultimately. I always say in like fear is holding us back from doing the thing that someone out there is literally counting on us to do. Yes. You know? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> uh, like I always say that. Cause it's like, it could be one person who the fuck cares because that one person could then go out and do something that impacts 10 people that that one of those 10 go out and impact fucking millions. You know, like you just don't know. Yeah. it's just like it's been the most fulfilling thing for me especially like during quarantine when we've had all this time to be able to go through all of my dms when people message me about the book and like really connect and have these conversations with people that have healed massive things in their life or changed the direction of their life because of my story and what i went through And it just makes everything so fucking worth it. I would do those heartbreaks and all those mistakes 10 times over to be where I'm at now. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's like this, this life is so fucking beautiful. It's like hard to understand, but when we like follow the heart tugs and when we do the uncomfy thing, like all of this, all of this was uncomfy for you. Like all of it. I mean, and then continuing to talk about it even and live in it and, you know, write about like all that's uncomfortable, but like she guys, like I'm talking to y'all now, she did it. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't you? Absolutely. Oh, I love it so much. Well, okay. Now the very, very, very last thing I always ask everybody who comes on the show here is it doesn't have to relate to the podcast. So it doesn't have to relate to anything we talked about today. It can be completely separate, but I always ask everybody for a hard no and a hell yes. So what I mean by that is like, okay, hard no, never, ever, 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 ever do this. Like just learn from my mistake. Don't do it. And then a hell yes. As in like, do this right now, go today, figure it out how you can do it, but do it. Oh my God. Okay. I'm so bad at these like on the spot things. I know what my (laughs) hell yes is, but I feel like we need to do the no first. And to give you some, like, to give you some thinking time or also just examples, like literally, I think we've had every answer from like, don't do keto to like, don't do anal sex. Like, (laughs) I love that. Like there are no limits here. Same thing with the hell yes. We've gotten some like, just very like, you know, go live your best life all the way to like, you know, go, this is the best brand of vibrator. Like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I'm going to have to like binge some of your podcast episodes, I guess, because this is like my type of (laughs) Um, all the things. Okay. So for my hell no, I'm going to say never let anyone make you feel less than what you are and less than your worth. Mm. And for my hell yes, I'm going to say go on a fucking solo trip. If I hammer anything home more, I promise you it will be life-changing. Oh, I love that. Okay, you're speaking at me right now because (laughs) (laughs) I have to tell you, and for everybody listening, getting a little tidbit into my life that I actually haven't talked about on Instagram, but I currently real life, 
today. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to live next. And I want to pick a city because, okay, because if COVID wasn't a thing, I would be in Europe right now. I'd be in Spain. I'd be there by myself. Right. And, but I can't. So trying to make do with what we have here. And I'm literally just trying to pick a city that I don't know anybody and just move there and just live there for six months and just figure it out. So that's fucking awesome. If I was single and like, you know, bopping around and like had no fucking responsibility in that capacity to like be tied to someone, I would do that. (laughs) Right. It's scary, but also I'm like so excited about it. So I'm just trying to like nail down some of the cities, trying to figure out where I want to be, but you should have people send in requests and like suggestions. (laughs) So I did the other day, actually, I wrote them all down on a piece of paper and then I cut them all up. And I think I'm, I'm, my hat <laughs> ballsy oh I love you <laughs> I'm like honestly I haven't done it yet because I'm like <laughs> I'm like I'm not ready to be at the decision yet but like I think that might be what I do I don't know I love it I love so. it or do it on like one of your morning walks when you're like just in your thoughts like just tell the universe to like bring the city to you bring and me one city find. yeah I love so, that that's amazing so, <laughs> you're speaking at me <laughs> I love it so much. Well, uh, Gabrielle, thank you so freaking much for being on the podcast and just your time and your story and your inspiration, because I know that somebody listening needed to fucking hear all of the things you just said, and they needed to know that because you did it means that they can do it too, you know? And sure. You're so welcome. And yes, you can, you can do it. If I, if I survived 2017, we can survive anything. Yes. Okay. Very, very, very last now. Where can people find you? Where's your book? All the things, right? All the things. So I'm at Gabrielle Stone on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, although I'm mostly on Instagram. And then God, TikTok, I don't even know my fucking username. I think it's Gabrielle-Stone or underscore stone. And the book is Eat, Pray, FML, and it's on Amazon. It's exclusively on Amazon. So it's not going to be in any stores if you're able to go to stores in whatever city you're in right now. And if you want a signed copy, I also have them on my website, which is eatprayfml.com. And it's on audiobook as well, wherever you can get audiobooks. And I narrate it myself. <laughs> I'm listening to the audio right now. Like I said, I'm listening to it at 2.0 because I'm a psychopath, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm loving it so much. So, all right, guys, go hit her up, go slide in the DMs, go let her know what resonated with you on this episode and go get her book guys. Cause like, if you like this, you're going to freaking love her book and you're going to love just how she says it, how she speaks about it. And anyway, just, all right, to conclude here, just thank you for being you and thank you for your journey. And thank you for all the times you've been through, because like I've said a million times now, you know, you're inspiring people that you don't even know. So thank you for that girl. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. For sure. For sure. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Have a good rest of your Thursday. that is all for today guys thank you so much for hanging out with me hey i'd be so grateful if you took one second to send this podcast to one person you know would love it and also don't forget leave a five-star review because honestly go big or freaking go home becky okay (laughs) don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on apple Podcasts or a follow if you're listening through spotify also go ahead and check this out at letsgetuncomfy.podcast and myself at Annie underscore fit life fit me on Instagram. Tag us in your stories. Let me know how you're getting uncomfy and what you loved about today's episodes. Now go do it. Go get uncomfy. Pursue what others consider unlikely. I double dog area.